China's stock markets rally after new selling bans are imposed. There's more hawkish comments from a Fed president. The Bank of England is set to cut in mid-2024. Australia's real wage growth turns positive, and Indonesia holds its key policy rate. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our deep dive interview, ANZ Group Chief Economist Richard Yetzinger looks at opportunities in 2024 from politics, Asia, and climate change. He says it's not all about interest rates. We'll get some easings through this mid-cycle period, but businesses and investors should still be focused on lots of other things. Um, Climate is a great example of an influence which has really become pervasive in terms of its impact on the economy. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ. In China, markets rallied overnight after authorities banned big fund managers from selling shares at the open and the close of trade. The index in Hong Kong for Chinese shares closed up 2.2% at its highest level since January the 4th and extending its winning streak to seven sessions in a row. That's the best in a year. Meanwhile, global markets sat tight ahead of Fed minutes later today and earnings from AI giant NVIDIA. The Aussie dollar was flat at 65.45 US cents at 4am Sydney Melbourne time and the Kiwi was up slightly at 61.73. However, Richmond Fed President Tom Barkin spoke hawkishly overnight, saying he's worried services inflation could be too high. ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, writes if inflation data remains elevated beyond three months, then alarm bells will start ringing at the Fed around its easing bias. Number two, the Bank of England will also want services inflation to ease, so rate cuts can start from mid-year, says ANZ economist Bunzi Madhavani. The Bank of England will want to see wage growth fall and prices decline beyond energy and utilities, says Bunzi. ANZ is penciling in cuts from August. In January, the services inflation printed at 6.5% or on a year-on-year basis. Compare that to the headline inflation, which was at 4%. So we think it's it's that entire basket which, which needs to show signs of further disinflation. In general, the wages growth tends to be a good proxy for what's happening on the services inflation front, ex-housing services, of course. And we have seen average weekly earnings here in the UK still showing 6.2% growth in the three months to December. If the wages growth does come in that 4% ballpark, we think that might be a good proxy for suggesting that the services inflation is also moving closer to target. Number three, Australian real wage growth has turned positive for the first time since early 2021. The wage price index rose 0.9% in the December quarter, with revisions taking the annual rate to 4.2%. That was in line with expectations. That wage growth is now faster than CPI inflation at 4.1%. ANZ senior economist Catherine Birch says it's looking better for households. Over this year, as inflation continues to fall and we think nominal wage growth will will stay quite elevated, that will mean that households' purchasing power improves. Add the upcoming tax cuts and, you know, we think we'll see rate cuts starting at the end of the year as well. That should all combine to support households in 2024. Number four. Catherine says the data won't shift the RBA from a November rate cut track as long as productivity picks up. Catherine says falling hours worked should mean a solid rise in productivity when national accounts are released in March. 
we should actually see a pretty solid rise. So something would really have to go haywire, I think, for that not to happen. But it would be more about if we don't see productivity growth pick up as much as the RBA would want to see through this year and nominal wage growth remains elevated, then that might contribute to inflation remaining stickier and being slower to return to target than what the RBA has currently forecast. Number five, Indonesia's central bank held its key policy rate as expected at 6% overnight. ANZ economist Crystal Tan says this will help Bank Indonesia focus on strengthening the currency while waiting for the Fed to start cutting. The timing of its first cut is going to be dictated by external conditions and FX stability. Our base case is for Bank Indonesia to follow suit once the US Fed pivots, which we have penciled in for Q3 this year. However, if the recent run of strong US data continues, the risk is that the US Fed policy pivot may be delayed, and in which case we would expect Bank Indonesia to be patient too. Crystal Tan there. Now, in our deep dive interview, ANZ Group Chief Economist Richard Yetzinger says investors should be looking beyond just interest rates for opportunity in 2024 and looks at three key themes for the year, politics, Asia, and climate change. I think economy unusual is going to persist. That doesn't mean some of the things we're not used to aren't going to replicate themselves. Interest rates will move this year. I use the phrase economic purgatory as a signal that these mid-cycle slowdown periods are a bit different from 2022 and 2023, where we had large numbers of interest rate movements across a range of economies. We'll get some easings through this mid-cycle period, but businesses and investors should still be focused on lots of other things. Um, Climate is a great example of an influence which has really become pervasive in terms of its impact on the economy. Everybody, you know, we often talk about this as a, an energy transition. That is a big part of it, but just a part of it. Um, lots of cities around the world are mandating, for instance, retrofits for existing dwellings to make them more energy efficient. That's having enormous distributional consequences. Where does the labour come from to, to deliver those retrofits? Where do the materials come from? Politics and elections, of course, matter. And we're tending to change governments more often. The Financial Times had some good data saying in the first decade of the 2000s, the 50 largest democracies saw the incumbent uh, retain power 70% of the time. In the current decade, that's fallen to 30% return. So more often than not, if you were tossing a coin, you'd expect the government at an election to change, which, of course, introduces its own discontinuities, but also governments are more inclined to do things. The number of industrial policy interventions globally, for instance, has risen eightfold since 2017. So politics is an influence and a change. It's not always negative if you're on the right side of those industrial policy developments. And China, I think, remains a really important influence, not just because I think people are finally starting to accept there's a structurally different environment here, that's a structurally different China, but also the positive way in which the rest of the region has handled China's adjustment to slower growth. The rest of the region has benefited from more focus and more attention, and it's actually done very, very well. And the industrial policy outlook is way different than so-called normal times. Uh, You point to an interesting stat that the number of industrial policy interventions is is up eightfold since 2017. How should people look at that industrial policy intervention scene and, and how, how it interacts with things like uh, climate and, uh, and the geopolitical situation? Well, I, I, th- I think at a macro level, often people are inclined to view industrial policy as something that's 
kind of got a negative tinge. And to some extent, I understand that. It, it probably is at the margin inflationary, and I say probably, because um, it doesn't have to be. Um, if governments really do it properly and they shift the resource, the allocation of resources in the economy, it can actually be constructive. But it can be a little bit inflationary. It can also add demand, which will help buffer the cycle from the slowdown in consumer spending we're seeing. So that's the way I'd come at it from a macro perspective. But from a business and sectoral perspective, it's just another reason your antennae need to be up for the policy environment and for the regulatory environment. Of course, it of course can be costly if you're on the wrong side of some of these industrial policy interventions. But equally, if you can get in front of them and you're on the right side of them, they can be an enormous business tailwind. And this is a very common global theme. It doesn't really matter where you look. The news is dominated by how are we going to spend more on housing? How are we going to spend more on infrastructure? What about the climate transition? What about onshoring and building up resilience in our supply lines? What about raising our defence expenditure to a level which is more consistent with this unstable world in which we live? A, a bit of a negative tinge, but actually I think when you sit and think about it more soberly, also plenty of opportunity. Richard Yetzinger there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Thursday, February the 22nd. Catch you tomorrow with a review of those FOMC minutes. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.